Okay. Right. Hello, people, hey. Jaeger fans. This is The Vergecast. Chuck uh, Jaeger. Chuck Jaeger. Here's what I'm going to tell you before the show begins. This show, The Vergecast, the one that you're listening to. We've been talking about Four Loco and Sparks. Mm-hmm. You might remember Sparks as an ill-fated energy drink with booze in it in 2002. And you might remember Four Loco as an iller-fated energy drink with booze in it from 2006. We literally had an argument about the timeline of the release and <laughs> qualities of these beverages. They both appear to exist, but they've been... Um I would say neutered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the man doesn't let them exist anymore. But, uh, you know, I'm, neutered is like a really good word for that, given that they took taurine out. Fair. <laughs> anyway, look, I'm sitting here with a beer and a Red Bull, and I'm ready to party. <laughs> this is the Vergecast. Uh, I'm Neil Patel. Paul Miller's here. Hello. Dieter's here. Yo. I'm making this joke again. Don't do it. <laughs> it's the Fatwood edition. <laughs> Dan Seifert is here because he reviewed the, not reviewed, he went to the Note 7 event. Yes. I played with a Note 7. I don't think you're a Fablet. I think this is the Fablet edition of the show. Well, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Fablets, I, I love Fablets the functionality in. and flexibility of Dan, but he's hard to put in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Chris, not, Chris I'm, not, I'm not a one-handed experience. <laughs> oh, my God. You know? This show's over. I haven't even had the Red Bull or the beer yet, and it's already off the rails. It's a real four loco kind of moment. Anyway, we got to get started. We only have Dieter for a little bit, so know that Note conversation is coming. But Dieter actually reviewed the Xbox One S this week. I did. And it's a smaller, prettier Xbox. Tell me about it. It's a smaller, prettier Xbox. The speeds of it are technically faster, but in terms of like actual use, no difference. Like, sorry. I, like, if you are incredibly, incredibly perceptive, you will notice some differences in like the menu or like like the rendering of some games or whatever. But Honestly, all this thing is is an Xbox that doesn't look like an insane, ridiculous VCR. Right. Uh, and they got rid of Connect and uh, the power brick. You, yeah, and the power, power brick. Uh, yeah, I would say the Xbox One. Remember, there's that great picture of the top of the Xbox One, the first one that was released, and the top of the PS4. Mm-hmm. And the PS4 is like a miracle of Sony hardware engineering. <laughs> and the Xbox was like. Steve Ballmer assembled the PC. I, 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 you know, let's just put that in perspective. The, the PS4 was a miracle of engineering in comparison to the abomination that the original PS3 was. So, the original PS3 was a supercomputer, <laughs> and I will not have you speak ill of it. It was round. It was, it, it was large and in charge. It had an emotion engine. It was bulbous. It had an emotion engine. <laughs> Cells and uh, yeah. everything. All right, so I derailed that with a ten-year-old talk of PS3. But. Hey, look, uh, there's still people who want to talk about that. No, but like this is like a mid-console cycle. So like talking about the cycle of consoles is relevant here. So they are a mid mid-console cycle console. Anyway, they it's three years since the first one came out. Sometimes we wait a little bit longer for like the slim edition. But the original Xbox has not been doing super well. Uh, so they put this thing out. It's 300 bucks for the cheapest one. You can spend 50 or 100 bucks more to get more storage. And I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's an Xbox. Uh, and they, the thing that they did by g- in getting rid of Kinect uh, and making it smaller is they put the focus back on, like, the things that you expect a modern, like, media console to do, which is, like, give you Netflix and give you games. And that's what this thing is for. That's what the new interface is for. Like, Cortana is there, but, it, like, you use it to find those things, basically. If you really want to be the person that uses the IR, IR blaster to control your entire living room, <laughs> you can. I will say this. My biggest complaint about it is that it accepts HDMI CEC on the input, so you can control it with, like, your TV remote. 
but it does not kick what? out HDMI CEC commands. So if you want to use it to turn your TV on, you have to make sure that the IR blaster on the front of the console has a line of sight to your By the way, if you're television. wondering what that horrible noise is, <laughs> that's me it. hissing like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it, I was getting like a snake vibe early on. <laughs> Oh, wait, so so I, literally nothing has made me more angry than everything. Yeah, just, just, how do you just get it to clear. face your TV? Yeah, you, you what? You put your Xbox on your con on your coffee table and then point it at your TV. <laughs> it can face away from the TV. It just can't be hidden away inside a cabinet. I bought this thing because I'm a crazy person. Um, are you gonna have it control your TV, or are you gonna switch inputs like a normal person? I'm gonna switch inputs like a normal person, but I put all of my shit and my TV in a console where like the doors are closed so it looks nice and clean and so the only way to have this thing turn my TV on is to reset up my IR repeater from Logitech which I have and love um, but don't technically need right now because all of my gadgets don't need IR anymore to be controlled because I've got a Vizio TV, I've got an Apple TV and I've got the uh, Xbox One S all of which get controlled over Bluetooth controllers basically um, yeah, but yeah, so like right now, my living room setup is completely infraredless, and uh, I feel pretty okay about that. That's pretty cool. All right, I got a question for you, Dieter, though, because you said you bought it, yeah. but if we read your review, the main... I you, I, I, yeah, nobody should buy it. Don't Crosses, buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who, who buys this thing? Nobody. Nobody buys it. If Like, I, I have this whole, like, loop of if you already have an Xbox One, the only thing you're getting out of this is HDR... Uh, which is fine for movies. We don't know if it's going to be worthwhile in games yet, so you got to wait to f figure that out. Those games aren't coming out till you know uh, later this fall or you know this winter, which means that like you might as well wait for Project Scorpio's coming next year. Oh yeah, by the way, Project Scorpio coming next year. It's going to actually support real 4K games, not just upscaled 4K games. So if you waited this long to buy an Xbox, you might as well wait another year for Project Scorpio. And you know, third, if you just don't have an Xbox but you really love Microsoft games, yeah, you should buy this one. But if you really love Microsoft games, you already have an Xbox. Um, yeah. So, like, the only so, thing that's really good about this is if you want to go get a good uh, 4K UHD Blu-ray player, those things are still pretty expensive. Uh, and, like, 4K streaming boxes, you know, it's, like, kind of a mess to figure out. So if you, like, have a 4K HDR TV... Uh, and you like really care about that stuff, and for some reason you haven't picked up a Blu-ray player yet or a streaming box yet that supports it, then yeah, this is a good, relatively cheap choice. Plus, you get to play Xbox games on it. But like, once you start like slivering down who it's for to these like narrow, narrow things, you start going kind of shrug. The full story on the Xbox is like Microsoft is going to be releasing consoles all the time now. They want to like put it on like a yearly cycle, maybe. Like they want to they want to just keep doing it. And so the truth is, what this Xbox is for is it's the cheap Xbox. It's the low end, inexpensive Xbox for when the Scorpio comes out. So when you go and you're like, oh, I want to get an Xbox, you will decide how much you want to spend and get that Xbox, and this is the one that's going to be at the low end. They just can't say that out loud yet. Wait, wait, wait yeah, where are you getting this yearly cycle from? They've been talking about how they want to, like, change the way that the console cycle works. So, the, you know, games that work on the Xbox One will work on the Xbox One S will work on Project Scorpio. Games right. for Project Scorpio will still work on the other Xboxes. They just, you know, work at different resolutions get right, down but, but what about et what about on the Scorpio 2 
Well, my, Microsoft is basically saying like they want Xbox to be a platform for games and not like a console that you buy every seven years. They don't want to have these massive shifts in like, you know, shifts and jumps in like gaming hardware for consoles. They wanted to iterate at the, in the same way that PC gaming is able to iterate. Right, which I like the three-year cycle for that. Three or four years sounds fun and interesting, but that every like like the the having like a sliding window of which Xboxes work with which games and being confused about which one that sounds a little scary. Or or well, getting it stuck in the position where you just bought something in two years or less later, like you're well, they want to make it more like the, game the you want. PC gaming world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where but the PC the, gaming world works like that because exact, you can buy the part and like upgrade your PC pretty easily. You can't do that with a console. And also with the PC gaming world, you can buy the brand newest game. <laughs> nobody's going to tell you no, and you can run it at really crappy settings if you want to play <laughs> well, it just for the content. Why couldn't you do that in Xbox? That's what well, the that's, idea is for Xbox. Well, that's and that's what I'm guessing is Microsoft might. Like say, oh, sorry, this this title now is. Not oh yeah, run of course. It, it all depends on them actually keeping their word and having a, a relatively long window of compatibility for older Xbox is okay. Xboxes, Xbox Ones. Um, I guess that's what we live through right now on like phones and tablets, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, does anybody really care that iPhone games target the newest? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a different conversation because like. The, the apps and games on a phone or tablet typically run on most every device that are out. And, mm. like, there are a few high-end ones that are maybe limited to, like, NVIDIA's processor. But, like, yeah, I don't think very any, Every niche. year yeah. Apple does the iPhone demo and they're like, our newest graphics chip. Right. It's almost as good as the Xbox. And then everyone just plays Pokemon Go anyway. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> and they demo the game. And I always sit there and I'm like, this is beautiful. It's great. It's almost as good as an Xbox 360. Mm. But who is who on earth is buying a new phone to play this <laughs> yeah. game? Mm. And they play Pokemon There was Go. actually a pitch of uh, Samsung's with the Note 7 as well. Their Vulcan gaming API support. Vulcan's actually like hot shit. It's really cool. And it's it's gonna hit more Android phones soon. But like yeah. the fact that Samsung was out ahead on Vulcan, even though there's no no real content for it yet in like a massive way, uh, like they deserve a, a little thumbs up for that. So a little thumbs up to you, Samsung. <laughs> the smallest of thumbs ups. <laughs> Can't confirm that was he really only half raised the thumb. It was like a Bob Dole thumbs up. Yeah. I'm just I just I mean, like I'm, I mean I'm I'm I, the way that Dieter PS, explained it. The four K PS four with VR. I'm just gonna buy that. I'm gonna wait to buy the new Madden. I well, like the way that Dieter you know explained it with with the <laughs> with the whole you know they want to like release hardware more often and stuff like that. Kind of makes the most sense. But that's my biggest question is like why release this release this now when Scorpio is coming next year and console generations are usually multiple years apart. Because this so, is the cheap one. This is but, the yeah, cheap like you one. said, it's it's the cheap one, which is still yeah. four hundred bucks. But well, it won't one. be next but, year. Does Microsoft have a plan for Scorpio? I feel like both Sony and Microsoft have. Have said like the the good ones coming, you know, yeah. like the the, the four K. No, but one. just just you wait. But like they haven't. They're it's like they're both making plans against each other's shadow plans. Mm-hmm. Like Microsoft's like ours will have a microwave, and Sony's like ours will also. Have a but it will also be convection. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's just like this thing. They're just like dancing the spec sheets back and forth without really talking about what it is. Mm-hmm. And I just I just want the PSVR. That's like just give me So you can play that. Madden in VR. I I just want a VR thing in my house that is 
not the big Oculus nonsense and, and not the garbage of the. I finally mobile. got to play PlayStation VR for the first time, and it was fine. It was great, and the headset is pretty comfortable. Not as comfortable as the Oculus. I don't know why everybody's saying the Sony headset's the most comfortable, but because um, it looks the coolest, it does look really cool. But it needs more power. Yeah, it needs more that. graphics power, and and so you definitely want if you can to get the new PS4 for VR. Which I desperately want to get. But then what if Scorpio is like, it comes with like two VR headsets? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I that's mean, like, that's the game these companies no. are playing right now. What are you going to say, Dieter? Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure that Microsoft's goal is to have Scorpio be more powerful than the, the Sony PlayStation 4K, whatever the hell we're calling it. Like, I'm sure that's the plan. Like, note that like Microsoft didn't, one isn't even willing to come out and say who it's partnering with for who's going to make the VR headsets for the Xbox. Yeah, I want to believe that, but also it took them three years to put the same components of the PlayStation 4 into a box the size of the PlayStation 4. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, you don't think you know who Microsoft is going to partner with? I think it's like really obvious. Yeah, well, it's, it's, just, it's interesting that they won't say it. Right. This right. is the part where I have to remind people that my wife works for Oculus. I have no inside information. Get out, Dieter. <laughs> <laughs> Pedal your sparks somewhere else. God Feel misled. <laughs> no, I know. So Dieter's recused. But, I mean, it's all, like Microsoft and Facebook are historically tight. Yep. Uh, Microsoft screwed over Oculus with the game controller shipments. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Palmer Lucky's like in a rage. Yeah. He's like, I won't give you my headset. In a shoeless rage. <laughs> <laughs> shoeless rage. I cannot hear his, his name Lucky's without talking about the fact that he trying, doesn't wear shoes. He's trying to kick down a, a conference room door, but it's just. I, I, just I know, the, I know these controllers are in here. I'm going to ship them on time. I just, I just got to keep working on the store. Shoeless rage, the Palmer Lucky story. Uh, sorry, Palmer, if you're listening. Just I love the work that you're doing. You're doing great you're job, inspirational buddy. to the whole VR community. And also my new book about hobos, Shoeless Rage. <laughs> uh, no, they're historically tied. Facebook, Facebook just put out a press release saying it was going to switch all of its internal business software to Microsoft Office. Like that's that's the tightness. Maybe that, it's of because Office it's is going to be product. some Oculus thing. They're competing on bots. They're, they're not. No, Microsoft is making canvases. Facebook is making agents. They're all the same words that mean nothing. <laughs> Nobody's using them. <laughs> Literally no one will use them. Alexa, play Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? You are such a bad so, person. <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Can I? <laughs> so stupid. So we are shooting the Mr. Robot after show. That's my little plug. And on the first episode, there's an Alexa on Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. So I like, had it on the after show so we could like talk about it being on Mr. Robot and what they were doing. And like this demo, one of the characters asks Alexa when the end of the world is, which I just did accidentally tell the people listening in their homes. Shit, and Alexa has an answer. So we had it and we we're like taping the show. And before the show, we were just using it to like listen to music. And I was like, we need some like we need some like good time music. Like it's like behind the scenes. It was like Credence. So I had it playing Credence like during setup. And we're like in rehearsal in the live rehearsal for the show. And I was like, do the demo. So like, Alexa, when's the end of the world? And she just started playing Credence. <laughs> just like blasting. And like the lawyers are like, we don't have the rights to that. Is that what's gonna happen? Like we can't we cannot play Credence on the show. Anyway, we got through the lawyers. It. We made it. 
uh, yeah, the NBC execs, like the Mr. Robot execs were there, and they're like, we can't clear credence at this time. <laughs> We like can't, a, can't afford that, those rights to credence. Um, anyway, I don't know what we were saying. <laughs> anyway, Dieter, come on back. We're done talking about Oculus. Okay. <laughs> are we done talking about Xbox? Is there? We are. Else? We are. So there's oh, there's one more thing that I really, I desperately want to talk to you about. You in particular, because I think you and I have very similar ideas about this, but you are so much smarter about this stuff. Uh, Google. Oh shit. This week announced that it's bringing its accelerated mobile pages AMP. So right now, Facebook has instant articles. So if you're in the Facebook app on your phone, you click an article with a lightning bolt, it slides you over into a custom article page. The Verge supports it, so you see a Verge. Particularly Circuit Breaker articles are all instant articles. Um, Fox.com has them. There's a bunch of instant articles everywhere. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, instant articles all over the place. Google has a competitor to this called AMP. Right now, AMP pages only show up if you search for something on Google, you see a carousel of news results, and you click it, you see the AMP page. So we support AMP as well. And there's like a little logo. There's also a lightning bolt. A little it'll, lightning bolt. It'll let you know. Google is now, when you do a search on mobile, their plan is for the actual results, not just the carousel, the actual results to lead you to AMP pages, which is which is a real something. Isn't that right, <laughs> Dita Bone? <laughs> yeah. So they're like, it's in a developer phase now. Uh, so they want to collect feedback and whatnot. I don't even know where to start with this story because there are so many different ways to like come at it. I do know where I end, which is me frothing at the mouth, complaining about the open web dying and everybody is going to live in a completely fragmented world controlled by uh, Apple, Facebook, and Google. So how do you want to get from here to there? So let's talk about how it's on the surface of benefit to people. Oh, well, the benefit is radically obvious. AMP pages are shit hot fast. They yeah. load incredibly quickly. And they use less data and all that and other And they stuff. use less yeah. data. They And the reason that they are so fast is they are way more limited in what you're allowed to do and what kind of hijinks you're allowed to play than full HTML web pages. Um, they're just it's just a, like a subset of HTML they're actually it's built on top of HTML I mean technically like Apple News and even Facebook and articles are similarly built on HTML tech but like uh, Google stuff explicitly is like really obviously built off of HTML and feels like it's part of the web uh, it uh, you can have it you know, have a canonical link to the full web page or a canonical link to itself it's like compatible with it you can look at it in any browser yada 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 um, so there's a lot of really good benefits to this technology. The question is, are all those benefits worth the various trade-offs that come with it? And like I, I can list them all, and they, they just keep kind of growing. So number one, you unless you want to completely refactor everything you're doing, uh, you need to now be supporting not just your HTML pages, but your AMP pages. And what inevitably happens whenever you need to support multiple platforms is one of them gets attention and one of them doesn't. So uh, I'm sure you know lots of you know apps that like don't seem to be getting that updated all that often and get kind Windows of buggy phone. and crappy. Just, no apps like just, publication apps, right? Like yeah. they 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 keep up their web page but not their app, or vice versa. And like having to support multiple platforms means that like some of those platforms are going to get short shrift. On top of that, AMP isn't as fully capable as uh, full HTML. So although Google will tell you that like there's all kinds of cool stuff happening and eBay just started supporting it and this travel app can do app-like stuff on it, it's still not going to give you the full, like what the web is capable of that, you know, it just can't do that. On top of that, you have to like 
be able to actually make multiple versions. Like, are you going to make a web page? Sure. Are you going to make an Apple news article? Okay, let's see if we can get the partnership right. Sure, maybe. Right. Are you going to make a Facebook instant article? Okay, sure, it's another thing, but maybe it's not that hard. We'll make sure we get a partnership there, too. Are you going to make an AMP version? Well, it looks like I don't have to set up a partnership, so that feels nice and open, And but it's more work, but okay, sure, I'll do it. And all of a sudden, just to, like, be on the Internet, you have put yourself into, like, publishing four different versions of the same thing. And deciding what you do or don't get to opt out of gets really hard because, like, are you going to bail on Facebook instant articles? That social is where the traffic is coming from. Are you going to bail on AMP? Well, 20% of, like, your views, your total page views are, like, coming from mobile search. So you, like, feel backed into a corner to support this new platform. Additionally, uh, I mean, I just I could just keep going. Keep going. So, so, so the point about the, the whether or not to choose to support AMP, right, is that Google says they're not going to be prioritizing AMP articles specifically but it's like a de facto prioritization, right? Because Google prioritizes speed and AMP articles right. are faster than normal. That's so if you exactly aren't right. supporting so you, AMP, you're hurting yourself in a Google You ranking. could still show right. up in the listings without AMP. But, but, but you're, if you're, if, I mean, these are things that like publishers if, and media companies like HG, that we work for yeah. agonize over. But yeah. like, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not doing AMP and your competitor's doing AMP and you're really kind of covering similar topics, Google's, the, the competitor right. article is going to float to the top. I mean, Google, like Google... Google's saying, we don't favor AMP, but we favor faster pages. Right. AMP By is the way, a lot AMP faster. is the fastest page. <laughs> yeah. Is like, right. I don't I don't favor fast cars, but I do prefer a Lamborghini. It's like... <laughs> the, the thing I, I want to figure out about insanity. this, like my personal website, I made it with uh, like hand-coded HTML. There's static files that are served off of like Amazon S3 bucket. They have you, you no... You it. Yeah. They have yeah. no weird functionality. They should... They should qualify as AMP because I am using the subset that is AMP. So yeah, I wonder- well, you can you can flag it as an AMP article, but like there's other things besides that where I start to get into like the fears of control, right? So although Google will tell you up and down that it is an open source project, you can go look at the stuff on GitHub. Anybody can make contributions. Blah blah blah. At mm. the end of the day, like Google gets to decide what is and isn't in the spec. And there's other there's other weird things like an AMP page can either get served from your Amazon S3 server or whatever server you choose to serve it from, or you can flag it to like be allowed to be cached from Google servers. If you do that, it goes from like pretty fast to holy shit fast because Google mm-hmm. knows how to cache stuff all around the world, and you know it'll be closer to the phone that's loading it. You know, it's just going to be faster, which is and, part of how uh, Facebook instant articles work as well. Right. right? Well, so, Facebook takes just takes your stuff right. and then re-renders yeah. an IA page. There's the the devious thing with Facebook is IA instant articles is built on URLs, right? Well, so so, are feed, AMP, so is AMP. Well, but AMP is like at least a subset of the web. I don't know. It's like it's part of your web page in a way yeah. that an IA page is not. Well, the so yeah, you can't direct link to it. So when you when you look at the world through Facebook, which is how people using their phones tend to look at the world, and you see a URL. Up until about now, that URL has pointed to one thing, Mm. right? It's literally a uniform resource located. It's pointed to one resource. Now there's Facebook's version of the resource. There is the actual resource, the web page, and there's the AMP version of the resource right and the amp the amp page and the web page are generally tied together as far as i can tell but the yeah well the article amp, the, you, it's it's the canonical url so the amp page says the real canonical version of the url is over yonder uh right. but i'm giving you this one because i know it's it's faster 
But Facebook is do, is like remapping URLs inside of the Facebook web. Well, yeah, it, which Google is, is just too. crazy. So but, if you hmm. but if you click a link in an instant article on Facebook, and it's another instant article, you don't actually go to the web. You load another instant article. So now you're fully outside of the web, right? Which is, I know that that sounds very weedy, but just. <laughs> Like it's the web, weird. the web is built to be like literally the thing that connects us all. Yeah, and Facebook yeah. is gluing a superstructure onto the web, sucking at all the information. And one day they're gonna like, what you know, the, there's like this visual metaphor where it's like you replace the structure with like sugar crystals, and then you like you pull the thing out and everything collapses. Does that make I any mean, sense? This I'll give you a better metaphor. Yeah, uh, think about Facebook what I'm is embracing and extending the web right now, and oh, the third good. part of embrace and extend is extinguish. Yeah, the web is dead. That's like what I'm saying. Like, I would not. If you asked me to start a media business right now, I would start a YouTube channel, like straight up. Mm. I would just be like, you know, what, Marquez Brownlee, I love you, dude, but I'm coming for you. Like, uh, right? It's like it's a better place to make a business than a website, a thousand percent. Because where are you going to put your stuff? Where are you going to make your money? Where is your audience going to be? All but of like those YouTube questions. Is still that still doesn't get you out of the problem that you are publishing to a platform that's not under your control. Like right. the, the nightmare scenario here, I got in a, a huge debate with this with somebody last night. Um, Gabe from tech meme, actually um, not that he was debating me, but I was like trying to explain it. The nightmare scenario is uh, with Google amp, Facebook, instant article, Apple news, if it still mattered <laughs> is that they will exercise control over the way that we distribute information out to the world. Uh, and the beauty of the web is that nobody gets to control it other than like a crazy consortium of a bunch of people arguing with each other. And that sucks. And that's really boring. And it's led to like the shitty situation of the state of the mobile web right now. It's really bad. But would you rather like run through that bad process where you are guaranteed that there's not you're not going to hit the darkest timeline of uh, Google deciding winners and losers or Facebook deciding winners, winners and losers? Or do you take the fast the fast way? You know, this is like some real Star Wars, you know, dark versus light shit right here. Do you take the fast way where you get the faster web pages or quasi web pages, but you run the risk of going down the darkest timeline of these big companies deciding who gets to publish, who doesn't and what the rules are? So today here, here it is. It happens all the time. Today, Facebook said we are going to start doing keyword scanning and headlines published to Facebook to figure out what is clickbait and like remove it because yeah. our users don't like it. And it's literally the word police. They I'm also, not saying I'm not yeah. by the way, fully in support of this idea. <laughs> this is great. This is a great idea. But Facebook is like, we noticed that when you end when you use you won't believe in a headline, that's right. We're just gonna you just we're just gonna disappear you. <laughs> Did you like, see that's that like that's a uh, scary kind of power like they could choose to deploy that power to like anything. Right. Did you like, see that their example that was um, of Gizmo clickbait? Techo. Was Gizmo Techno Techo Gizmo Techo dot com? Yeah, and so a, Gizmodo's like up in arms that this is them calling out Gizmodo because Gizmodo like had a bunch of really good scoops about like how Facebook decided what and wasn't news back you know a few months ago. <laughs> like, the, look, the that's probably fair, crazy. but I bet the good people at Techno Buffalo are fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Techno Buffalo didn't do anything wrong to you. They just picked a really esoteric name. Does anybody know? I, why I why the it. Buffalo? They got a good YouTube channel. Why I the just, Buffalo? I've never understood the name. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know either. And Facebook hates their clickbait headlines. If you if you know why why the Buffalo and Techno Buffalo, please tweet at DC Seifert. 
D C S E I F E R T. That's a good. It's a good. Uh, didn't Mark Mark Lindsangen was there? Yeah, Mark was there. Yeah, yeah, he did great work. And then he, his work was so good, we like reeled him. I, reeled just, him I just think on this whole thing that everybody's a bad actor. I think the publishers have made a bunch Except of for Meryl shitty, Street. shitty webs. Meryl Streep is wonderful. <laughs> and a, a national, national treasure. A global treasure, I would call her. Paul, Paul gives no opportunity for anybody to besmirch the name of Meryl Streep. Stops what? his point. I don't know what kind of show you think this is. Stops his point, derails, and to make the point that Meryl Streep is unimpeachable. Yes. Um, but to resume my point. Have you seen The Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Best fucking movie. <laughs> I will. The Devil Wears Prada is the movie that when it's on TV, I stop and just watch the rest of The Devil Wears Prada. And the real and Becky's always like, "You think that you're Anne Hathaway, but you are the villain." <laughs> and then I'm like, "That is all." <laughs> Carry on, Paul. Publishers have made a bunch of slow loading shitty websites and just piled more and more shit onto them to make them slow and terrible for users and, and companies like and, yeah companies like Facebook and Google want all power and control of someone's entire day all the time and and of all information and so the, everybody's just kind of you know i don't know i don't know <laughs> I, I have a more yeah. evil view of this like the web displaced apps on a PC, right? Like the web browser became the web became the new platform. Mm -hmm. There was zero switching costs between web browsers. So for a while, we could all use IE and then decide IE was too slow and then go to Firefox and then Firefox was too slow and then we went to Chrome and then Safari came out and then we went like back to IE like a never-ending platform war was happening, but it, the cost was still low. We didn't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. That was great. Now there's a new platform war, but the browsers are baked into the OS. So there's incredibly high switching cost for the web, right? Like mobile Safari is what you get on an iPhone. Basically Chrome is what you get on an Android phone. I know that the Firefox people are going to come screaming at me, but mm. come on. <laughs> Just look in the mirror. Um, think about what you've done. Um, wow. <laughs> but we've come to a place. I'm fired up, man. I've had like three sips of a Red Bull and half a Stella and it's like keep four loco. I like how you say, man. think about what you've done about... Firefox, who has like consistently been probably the most pro open standards, yeah. open web. They were idealistic company, and pure and innocent. And they made a shitty browser because of it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but now we're at a place where it's who owns the icons on your phone. And Google basically owns the browser icon on your phone to this day, even Safari. You open Safari, you almost certainly search for something on the web as opposed to going directly to a homepage of a website, unless it's TheVerge.com, which you go to right now several times in a row. Mm -hmm. But you generally search for something, and they own mobile search at a really high level. Facebook obviously owns like five apps with a billion users on your home screen. Twitter owns one, one sad app. Right? 300 million users still. <laughs> they got, they got <laughs> there they are. But it's who owns, you, you know, Google owns YouTube, which is like the default. I want to watch a video about something. I click on this icon yeah. on my phone and go look at this video. Mm -hmm. It's who owns those icons is that's the war. And all of this, let's make the web faster, is about making the experience inside of those platforms faster, which is to Paul's point, like they want to own more of your day. But none of that reflects or extends the idea of the web is the uniform way that we distribute information and the actual competition, action, fervor happens on 
the display of the web, which is where all of the power used to be. Who owns the web browser used to be the power. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so much competition. We all used to switch web, web browsers every 18 months. Now it's, I have an icon. How much power can I exert over everyone else to make the experience of this icon better? And, it's, and the methodology I, of exerting that power is fundamentally different now than it was back in the web. Uh, especially for publishers and for people that made stuff on the web. Like if I wanted to compete, I made, you know, I wrote better, I took better pictures, I made a faster website and we would compete head to head on those terms. But in this dystopian hellscape future, if I want to compete, I score a better deal with Apple than, uh, you know, my competitor and the actual like direct competition of like the quality of the web page and the journalism is secondary to who scored the better deal. Sounds an awful lot like the music industry or yeah. cable television. Yeah. yeah. Like right. old, I mean, old media. But that's where we are, right? Like we've, we've created gate mobile created a new class of gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the, in the halcyon days, of the desktop web, the gatekeepers are like AOL.com and yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Now known as AOL Yahoo, owned by powered by Verizon, <laughs> um, but like those are that was as much gatekeeping as existed at that time, right? You there were like these massive portals that would like you know send you traffic or whatever. And now it's if face if people enough people click on the Facebook icon, Facebook will send you a bunch of stuff, and they can exert control over everything. Wait, are you saying the web is dead? Web so is I think you need dead. to write a new uh, article. The I, internet I, was fucked two years ago. I don't, the, the internet is dead now. I wrote before you guys hired me again. I wrote. Yeah. I wrote. Maybe the web should die. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why should the web die? Because publishers like The Verge. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. That's fair. We hired you right back. <laughs> the Inside Job by Paul Miller. I assumed you'd read it. Oh, <laughs> uh, was that that word file you sent me? Shoelessrage <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't shoeless by choice. I was just poor. <laughs> and I really appreciate the job, Neil. Ter- terrible. <laughs> Put your shoes on, Paul. And walk right out of here. No, I mean, the, the thing that Dieter's talking about where everyone had instant access to everything all the time, mm-hmm. that was the web. You could be a publisher as one person in a bedroom. You can't build that business anymore because of Facebook. Like, you couldn't start the Drudge Report today. Mm-hmm. You probably couldn't start and, something like Daring Fireball right. today. And yeah, and the, 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 the thing that's incentivized clickbait is Facebook. Right. right. Facebook's like, hey, we hate clickbait. You know why clickbait exists? Because Facebook. No, it's because people click on it. <laughs> yeah, but where, where would like, you put that before? I don't know. Right? Uh, on the internet. Right. You'd put it in How would ours. anybody see We got it. accused of clickbait at Engadget in 2007 all the time. When people are reading our shit in RSS feeds. No. Yes. Yes. No. All the time. Clickbait is... Paul is Miller a, would write, a, like, this, this Motorola StarTech is the one to beat. And people are like, clickbait, Paul. <laughs> You'll never believe how thin the new Nokia Engage is. <laughs> the Motorola Zoom, one tablet to rule them all. I think clickbait <laughs> is a word that happened after Twitter and BuzzFeed. Nope. No way, man. Really? No. No way. Shh. I think I think clickbait and the curiosity gap headline that mm. BuzzFeed pioneered and Upworthy pioneered, that's that was like the moment that clickbait became a thing that people understood. Yeah. When when that style yeah. of headline that was like hyper optimized for social, right. the, you won't you like. But you're saying we were being shitty and tricking people into reading our terrible no. I'm saying our, re- our readers generally days. 
think any article they don't agree with is clickbait. Okay. Yeah. So we we would write like Windows Phone. They're trying again. Uh, Windows Mobile six point five. Remember that? Yeah. We got accused of the honeycomb. We got accused of clickbait every time we wrote about Windows Mobile six point five because we'd be like. Yeah, it still only supports resistive touchscreens and doesn't have any real apps. You'd be no. like, what is this clickbait nonsense? I feel like there was a capacitive touch. No. They were, no. They were resistive. For 6.5. No. no. They were resistive. There was one. <laughs> At least it had like a hard yeah, surface. Like they had some, hard surface, but it was still resistive. Okay. There's there like one engineer at HTC who was like, I can do it. Yeah. And Microsoft was like, that noble engineer, mm-hmm. whoever he is. <laughs> we're going to slap our honeycomb launch around that. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm going to find this. Do you say let's move on so you can refute my Windows Mobile 6.5? Capacitive. <laughs> now, if you're listening to your car for the next few minutes, drive silently. HTC HD2, first Windows Mobile with capacitive touchscreen. Oh, the HD2 was right. the phone that wouldn't die. Boom. Remember? Boom. They yeah. ported take Android it to it. Eat your I words. To take it Eat back. your words. That was the one noble HTC engineer. Yeah, but I said. Remember they brought it on thing, the Engadget show? I was right. I don't know, man. I also remember that was, that phone had a 4.3-inch screen, so which seemed right enormous at the time. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> goodbye. Dude, do you have to go? I have to go. You Bye know dear. what? Why don't you walk away to the sound of this pre-recorded Citibank ad? Okay. <laughs> goodbye, Dieter. <laughs> the Vergecast, as you know, is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to the Vergecast and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? Did I mention that it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your city card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, and get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city, consumer, credit, and debit cards. All right, we're back. Paul. Yeah. It's time for your recurring consistently named segment. The gadgets have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hit me. Okay, so this is not a full product yet. This is a, a prototype, but Intel is working on a depth sensor for the HTC Vive. And it just looks badass the way it's bolted on to the front wow. here. Bolted on is right, jeez. And, like, the Vive is kind of weird. Like, I don't think the Vive holds the magic leap as well. So, like, on Oculus, a lot of people... Put the the uh, uh, magic leap. No, that's not the right word for it. What's it called? No. Leap motion. Leap motion. Thank you. Thank you. Just literally just combined words. Like so the right. leap motion lets you see like right in front of your face. So you can put your hands up and you can use like your hands. And it's really fun to interact with things like that. But this new Intel sensor is like putting like a connect on the front of your head. Yeah. And so it can like det- like 3D map and scan your room and show you when you're about to run into a cat or your couch or something like that. Because um, the, the the Vive has like a pass through camera, but it doesn't like have that depth sensor. So I just think that would be really cool. And I also really like the idea of someday having a VR headset that has enough sensors, outwardly facing sensors on the front that it could give you really great vision. So, like, you want something that you could wear walking around the street, and it has enough sensors to see and map out the street in front of you as you walk so that you don't run into people, but then you can also, like, zoom in, like, four blocks ahead or something like that. Yeah, like, maybe so that you have superpowers, but I also think it would just be hilarious if we (laughs) completely re-engineered the eye, put two eyeballs in front of, of, of a screen that blocks our vision, and then the screen, you know... 
It's just cool. Two eyeballs in front of a screen. Think about it. If you're putting sensors on the front of a VR headset and then passing that information to a computer that then passes it to the screen that's in front of your eyes on the inside of a darkened VR headset, what you are doing is creating new eyes, right? Yeah. Right? You're creating eyes for your eyes. I'm into this. And then you would add... Probably notifications. <laughs> probably, probably a lot of notifications. <laughs> what, what would you do if you had bionic eyes? Eye message. <laughs> no, there's actually a lot of research about this uh, early on in like the wearable computing thing of what um, a passive notification could be. You know, like the, it's kind of the equivalent to like tying a string around your finger, but like something that just kind of vaguely reminds you of something and you tie that information. So like uh, one of the researchers had, and I think he ended up actually working for Google, had like a, like a, a little light go off in the corner of his vision and it was just to remind him to like sit straight, sit up straight. And you couldn't hardly even really see it, but it just passively, I don't know. There's some cool psychology to that. But that's so probably like more for like, augmented like the, reality. The lights in your room changing when it's time to like do something different. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then that just like that is a memory cue to you to like sense memory. You know, we have sense memory. So, so start it's th- using sense I mean, memory. like if you really want to go back to that, then that would be like the sun going down and telling, you know, primitive man right. to go to bed. There you go. Yeah. And then the sun coming back up and that tells primitive man it's time to wake up. But there future man is wearing an HTC Vibe <laughs> with an Intel depth sensing I mean, this thing looks like a like a giant shark fin. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. So By the way, the tweet good. was shark deleted. This is now a leak. This is great. So this the Intel engineer tweeted it, but then deleted the tweet. But the photo lives on. Because the gadgets have eyes. Gadgets have eyes. That's good. Yeah, see what That's I did good. there? Good segment. Thanks. Yeah. Let's transition. I just called Dieter. Speaking of eyes, oh my God. the Galaxy Note 7 also has eyes. Yeah. Because it's got an iris scanner, Ooh. and you can use your eyes to unlock it. You might say it's eye rich. Well, why would you ever want to do that instead of using your thumb? That's a great question. And I'm not convinced that you would. I would like to note for the record that Dan just did finger guns at Paul when he said that's a great question. <laughs> I did a double uh, uh, I did a double snap into finger guns. He did not make the finger gun sound, which is a requirement on the show, which is pew, pew, pew. I think I heard like a silent A. <laughs> All right. Finger all right, guns so, aside. Tell me about the right, Note. So, so uh, the Note 7, it is the Note 7. It's not the Note 6 for whatever reason. So that, you know, at, Samsung that sells against very the confusing. iPhone 7. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you're a huge nerd, you know that it's actually the seventh Note in the generation because they had the Note Edge a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. it's the seventh Note that Samsung has produced. But last year's was Note 5. This year's is Note 7. The real reason is because the iPhone 7 is coming this year and Samsung doesn't want to sell something with a 6 next to the iPhone Well, 7. it also makes sense. This is the, the specs of this are the same like generational specs that are in the, the Galaxy, Galaxy S7. Yeah, why don't yeah. they so release them at the same time? Why don't they release them at the same time? Yeah. It takes some time to stretch the screen. Yeah. Out. <laughs> I mean, like, Come on. Uh, so, yeah, the Note 7 has an iris scanner in addition to a fingerprint scanner, which is a first for Samsung. So I think it might be a first for Android, at least for any Android phone that somebody would have actually purchased. Uh, Microsoft put an iris scanner on the Lumia 950 last year, so it's not the first on smartphones. But Samsung's argument is that it is a more secure system than a fingerprint scanner. We've seen a few reports lately about fingerprint scanners getting spoofed with mm. 3D printing, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, there's that. It's kind of just...
just like the Note line has always been kind of Samsung's line, uh, a product to like throw out its craziest technology and like brag about its technology advancements. And I think part of that is here with the iris scanner. I tested it out. It definitely works. Uh, it uses infrared, so it can work in really low light. And it's pretty quick if you line up your eyes right. The only thing that's weird about it is you turn the phone on, you have to swipe the screen over to do it. Then it starts scanning for your eyes. And you have to bring the phone kind of like awkwardly close to your face because mm. it won't work with it if you're further than 18 inches away or so. Wait, so so you, it's, it's pretty awkward. You to have use. to press the home button. Swipe the screen, yeah. and then put the phone really close to your face to unlock. Instead of Correct. just instead of just putting your, your thumb on the on the home button to to do the the fingerprint it's scanner. Crazy. You can also use it to lock a section off of the phone that has content and apps and and stuff like that. If you want like super secure privacy stuff, but I think that most people are probably never going to use the iris scanner. Right. I mean, like it's a it's a party trick. It's definitely a great party trick. Yeah, it's a great party trick. I think the real world. You know, a fingerprint scanner is way more practical and secure enough for the vast majority of things. And then you... Is that the only like, thing that's new? Well, yeah. I mean, like, te- technically... It's like, got higher resolution pin drawing, right? It's got advancements. It's got, like... So, like, the screen is dual curved, which is new for the Note line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to the Galaxy S7 Edge, but the curves are a little less dramatic than the Edge. The f- back of the phone is curved the exact same way as the front, so the whole thing is, like, super symmetrical, and it, like, feels really cool in your hand. It's just really, like, polished and well done, and it's got the same size screen. It's got the same processor and RAM and camera, and kind of, like, all the internal guts are the same as the S7 Edge and the S7. I'm gonna buy this phone. Waterproof, water-resistant. It has a headphone jack. We should it talk has about a headphone that. jack. So which... they, like, threw shade at Apple. Yeah, it was event. really it was it was so forced, but yeah, they they were like, and it has a headphone jack. Just saying, I don't know. I'm just saying it has a headphone jack. That's like literally what. Did they, exactly they say some said. other stuff too? They uh, threw shade at the fact that they include the stylus. You know, it's not an extra thing that you have to buy on top of the phone or the device. Uh, it doesn't require charging. Zero human beings to buy a stylus for a phone. It's <laughs> an aftermarket accessory. Well, I mean, the, hey, Apple sells the but pencil for hundred bucks. Of the note, right? Yeah, right. the reason you buy a note, well. That's I think the reason you buy a Note is that you want a big screen. That's really the reason. The stylus is, like, there. I don't think after, like, the honeymoon period, a lot of people use the stylus. Samsung says it's, that like, be... rising in importance in the things people want. But the reality is they want a big screen. The Note is a premier big screen. If phone. you use the stylus or Note, tweet it, DCC. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> draw, a little, draw a little picture. Draw, draw me yeah. a picture. So I bought a Note 5 myself because Note 5 was a really great phone last year. Mm. And uh, I used the stylus for a couple weeks. And then I just, like, forgot about it because it's a phone. But you, use, you use the stylus with your uh, with uh, Evernote on your iPad. Yeah, right? I really tried to make that work, too. Kind of haven't done uh, that Get up on that. <laughs> I really want the stylus dream to come true. I just really want to make it happen, and it's always too. I like styluses theoretically because I drew like all through childhood. I always had like a, a pad of paper and a pencil, and I was always drawing. And it was like this would be great to have like a stylus always with me, and I could do a little sketching. Yeah. But I'm just bad. I'm not a good drawer. <laughs> And I can't take notes with handwriting. It's illegible. I mean, it, the, the, the mobile operating systems aren't doing you any favors either. They're all built to be used with your finger. Mm-hmm. And like, so a stylus is pretty redundant unless you're using very specific things of writing notes or drawing. Uh, Samsung added a few functions to the S Pen this year so you can like use it as a magnifying loop and for translation. The coolest thing is it, it, you can create these GIFs from video, which Why is would you wild. need your pen to do that? I don't know why it's tied to the pen, but you have to use the pen to do it. Okay. But it's really cool because you can like start up a YouTube video, grab three or four seconds right away, and make a gift from it instantly, which is which is pretty trick. Wow, it's another parlor trick. I'm getting this phone. That's more than parlor trick because 
Man, you want to make funny gifts on the go and tweet them right then. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I think I'd probably just search for it. I have an entire... I'm tired of seeing the same gifts. I want more <laughs> gifts. Well, I have an entire thing about, like, TV shows have... The way we watch TV shows have changed completely because people watch them on computers mm-hmm. instead of on televisions. And so they can insta-gif every... Like Game of Thrones. A, there's, a, there's a riff with this, though. Yeah. And that's... Samsung says if the content is DRM protected can't make a gif with it oh and like there's a, like a, le- a security le- drm le- level in android so like if you're trying to use net like you can't screenshot netflix on android you won't be able to use this gift maker on What's netflix the on android point it's the fucking police man the man <laughs> see things were crippling your DRM police this is what happens when you kill the open web that's why torrents are still alive Paul, we're this is another mr robot show mm-hmm. last night a, a literal like literally a torrent freak came into our IRC channel during the show while the show was airing and was like, what's up? Where's the torrent of this episode? And everyone <laughs> in the IRC channel was like, it's literally still on the air. Like, you you can't have a torrent right now. And then there was just an argument about what the best place to torrent Mr. Robot was <laughs> in the official Mr. Robot IRC channel. And then finally someone was like, maybe we shouldn't do this here. And they all left and went to a different IRC <laughs> They went to the unofficial Mr. Robot That show... Well, on Freeno, there's Mr. There's V Corp, which is the Verge's Mr. Robot channel. Mm-hmm. There's the official Mr. Robot channel, and then there's the one that hates us, which is F Society. And F Society is like very bad at us. They don't like that we exist. But they're the renegades. They're trying to hack us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Our moderator got like booted. Up. He keeps on getting hacked in IRC and kicked <laughs> out of the channel. Anyway. Okay. So in addition to the note, we actually got some insight into how Samsung like builds phones. Right. Yeah. So uh, Sam Byford uh, did an interview with Samsung's chief designer. Uh, his interview was kind of like right around the time of the S7 launch, um, but we we just published it this past week, and it's a really interesting look and candid look at the decisions and the uh, the thought process that Samsung goes through when it's been developing these phones, which have now had for the past couple of years, Samsung has put design uh, given much higher priority than it had in the past. But like, it comes with a lot of compromises that we don't usually hear about, like things like you know when the S6 came out, it didn't have expandable storage or water resistance. And so, like, that was pretty much just a, a thing that Samsung couldn't do in time, and they had to ship the product. So there's a lot of those really interesting things about, like, how Samsung thinks when it's developing a product. Totally, totally killer read, really interesting. Sam asked a ton of great questions and actually got answers on them. So if you're interested at all in the product development process or, like, how that phone in your pocket actually came to be, it's a great read. I have to, Samsung has come an extraordinarily long way. I was playing with the, yeah. the Moto G4 upstairs. Yeah. All the phones have sort of just arrived. $199 phone, by the way. I mean, Vlad hated it. But in terms of a P, like, compared to where industrial design for phones was even like two years ago, that thing is a revolution, right? It's just like, it's actually well constructed. It's not like well designed. It's well constructed. It's got a good screen. Usually, like, you're used to garbage screen. It's got a competent camera. You know, it's like all the stuff that. Does it have a competent camera? For 200 bucks? Think about what no. you got for two hundred bucks before that. Paul used a phone that was sixty bucks, and its camera was a literal shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. It was a shoe. It's like I was like, uh, I wish I had a shoe. I was like, I keep hitting myself when I try to take the selfie. But like for for two hundred bucks, I mean, it takes like even if it was as good as the iPhone four, and I think it's probably better than an iPhone 4's camera. It's two hundred bucks. Like, well, that that sets up the you were saying to me earlier the GS7 last year. The GS7 was by far the best phone. 
Yeah, yeah. The, well, the the S six. The S six because it has so, the best camera. The best then, camera phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now the Note, but all the other phones are sort of like at parity right now. Yeah, I mean, if you go sort of if you go buy an Android phone, especially, you are looking at the premium things. We're talking like five hundred and fifty bucks and up. You're looking at the same processor, the same amount of RAM, largely comparable cameras, same screen resolution. So, like, what it comes down to is which design do you like better? Or, you know, maybe there's slight differences in battery life, maybe the slight differences in display, but really it comes down to which which phone do you like better to look at and use every day. And that's, I, that's a I great thing. I think there's also, like, a, a layer of do I trust this company to give me sure. software updates? There's, there's, there's some of that. There's some of do I trust this phone not to break? I mean, there's some minor things like Samsung has its water resistance, which kind of sets it apart uh, from others, uh, which I think is a super useful thing that that every phone should have. But for the most part, the like the, the experience of using it is going to be largely the same across almost every major premium yeah. phone that you look at. Is I'm buying this, a note. Is this Gorilla Glass Five really yeah. better? Is this better? Every year they come out with a new Gorilla Glass that they say is better. Than I the always because fr- I, I always forget <laughs> the name of it, but I'm still blown away at that Moto Force. So, so what Motorola phone. Motorola does with on the Force is they have a different kind of display that they do call shatterproof, and it's mm-hmm. actually a plastic screen. It's not. Uh, it's it's a multi layer plastic screen, so it's not a glass. It's not Gorilla Glass. Gorilla Glass Five, I'm sure of it, will shatter if you drop it. Like maybe it'll shatter less. Maybe you have to drop it harder. <sighs> But it'll shatter if you I'm don't. I'm buying it's a note. Swallow, or should I wait note. for Nexus? This is the thing. I'm switching Android. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Because the iPhone 7 is going to come out. It, we think it's Without a same. headphone jack. Now, now that's a snake. You're going vote to vote with your feet, Neil? See, this is a kitty. <laughs> yeah, this is, okay. This okay, is the worst podcast in history right now. No, it's going to come out. Whatever. And the story of that phone is not going to be its design or its feature set or whatever. It will be the camera. Right, we can see it, and already in the leaks, the camera's way bigger. They might do this dual lens thing. Like, the story of that thing is going to be the camera. If that is the story, then like maybe it's time to take a year off. And next year they'll put out their weird all glass like alien phone that like Missing wraps around no your face. No home button. And, yeah. yeah, no home button. It like it, it knows you. <laughs> it just like comes to your house. You know, it shows up at your house. It's like, hey, and you're like, I love you now. And then you just have That'd it. That'd be great if one. That's how I feel about the iPhone. <laughs> if one year, like Apple just gave everybody the next iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we have a trillion dollars. No, did you bank. guys? You guys, when you turn like, was it eighteen or whatever? Gillette sends you your first razor. Did that happen to you? That I believe that's in the U.S. When you turn eighteen and you have to register for what do they call it for the draft? Yeah, Gillette will send you a razor. That's where I get they get it from. I think. That's what happened to me. Shouldn't have dodged the draft. <laughs> <laughs> you could have gotten a free razor. Should have gone to NAM. Was it so, that little lasted you for service? a week, and then you had to spend forty dollars. Select selective service. Yes, that's so called selective service. I did that. Yeah, I signed up for it too, but I also got Gillette <laughs> razor, my first razor. Yeah, <laughs> which lasted a week, so and then you saying, had to pay forty dollars. I went to the Army Surplus store like, and bought one. It's of those time. Trucks. This is the phone that we want to give to the world. Yeah, we've been saving up all is this there, cash. Is there to give the world? I believe that in Apple's mindset, every time it releases a phone, it's giving the world a phone, right. but it also wants you to give it $700. Right, but they have almost enough cash to phone. literally give everybody in the world the iPhone 8. You know that there's like that in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's a guy who has the, the spaceship that's like the most black spaceship. Yeah. Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah. yeah. It's like the most black. No, it's, it's the rocker guy. And you open it up, it's like full of speakers. Oh, uh, you're right. That you're right, you're when right. I, I actually, I think the next, the iPhone that's coming out this year will be iPhone 6 SE. I, 
I feel it that mm-hmm. they won't they won't iterate the number until it's like a different design. What but so next the iPhone year, seven, what we, I think will be iPhone seven, every time I picture it, I just picture like the most black phone. <laughs> Like it's just like it, it, like you hold it. Aren't they already? I mean, this is what they're setting up themselves up for. for. Like it's a sh- it's a black piece of glass mm-hmm. with with a display that literally you, sucks your eyeballs out of your face. And you li- you you lick it to unlock. Yeah, you lick it. To, <laughs> you just hold it to your face, and then it molds itself around your face. And the antennas are built directly into your skull. Yeah. And if you put your hands on your skull, your service goes down. <laughs> You scratch your head the wrong way. <laughs> Drop a call. And they're like, great. we tested hundreds of yeah. thousands of skulls in our anechoic chamber. I, I just can't wait for the future. It's going to be great. That's, I'm just saying, there's so much hype around the seven, but this one, it's obviously going to be a camera story. Like, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. And, like, that's really interesting. And if it, I just don't know how much, how much incrementally better you can make the camera on a phone right now, mm-hmm. such that I'm willing to give up, like, the phone I have. Right. So like why not why not take a year off before the phone that literally changes everything about how we view ourselves, society, and one another? Right. Maybe they'll call it the iPhone 10 because it's the tenth year of the iPhone. The iPhone I X. stole that theory from Chaim Gartenberg, one of our wow. great interns, by the way. Gartenberg. In all in all credit. As a family are very wise. This episode of the Vergecast is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Squarespace is easy. Creating a website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with just the click of a mouse. You may remember the mouse. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary. Now, if you click it, you get a website with Squarespace. You get a free custom domain. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. You sign up for a year, you get a free custom domain for a year. For free. It's a clapping sound. We've done snakes. We've done kitties. Now we're doing claps. There's beautiful templates. You can design a best-in-class online store, Squarespace award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. There's commerce tools from nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops. Squarespace, trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, includes all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And if you don't, there's 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. So no matter how technical your problem or trivial-seeming question, someone is always online to assist you. So start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code VERGE, that's V-E-R-G-E, get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. Let's, let's end here. This is like big news in the world. Two, two things happened this week related to TV. We started with the Xbox. As always, TV is my favorite thing to talk about. Who, who will defeat the TV? No one. The answer is no one. It will be a mess for the rest of our lives. But Peter Kafka at Recode broke some great news. Great news. Had a good scoop. Apple, after years of trying to get a TV service, after Eddie Q walking around in sandals and a Hawaiian shirt trying to get a deal, <laughs> has apparently decided a different tack. Instead of actually launching a TV service... You're going to take all the apps in the Apple TV, suck in all the data about what's in them, and actually just build a guide, content guide for the TV. Isn't that obvious? I don't know. This is just the content and the apps, right? Yeah. So you would build the Apple TV you and it's watch like, cable TV better. No, I mean, so that's the thing. So Apple, there's kind of like two classes of apps in the Apple TV in, right. in general. There's the VOD stuff. So there's like HBO Go and Netflix. Right. And then there's actually a huge number of live channel apps so right. like you can watch cbs live and the apple tv or whatever you can watch espn live so apple will help you search through that so like you you turn on your apple tv presumably this is kind of the scoop and the rumor you'll turn on your apple tv 
it'll show you but basically a KWAX guide. Like here's some stuff that's on that you can watch live and here's some like VOD stuff that you might want to watch. Okay. And then you click it and it will automatically launch the app, open the appropriate stream and send you in. Nice. But they won't actually build the service. Their goal is to get all the apps in one place and then do it. And Peter's point in the article, which is really interesting, is they already have so much of this metadata because of Siri. So they might be able to just do it now, or they might need permission, or but they might just what, be I letting people they know they're going to do they it. They already had some sort of search interface for... They, just they, have, some, they have some very basic search. No, and, it, but like, it's, it's this will be better. Siri. This no, be but this guide. isn't search. It's a, it's okay. the main interface of the Apple TV right now is a bunch of tiles. Right. right. Clear that from your mind. And dream up... And resurrect a cable box. Yeah, <laughs> a cable box without the cable card. Is yeah. Well, no, you, I don't know. What was that? So they also, so the, the cable card thing is interesting because they also have, the, these are two other dynamics playing out. Apple also is rolling out single sign-on for its apps, which was, I thought was a big story at WWDC, mm. and everyone just made grumbled, boring sounds at me. <laughs> like, you really do love TV. It's my favorite goddamn thing. I mean, if you've ever sat through signing into every goddamn app on your Apple TV, then single yeah. sign-on is like a blessing. But so, right, so you, you buy Comcast, you buy Time Warner, whatever, you get your authentication password for TV everywhere, you sign in your Apple TV, and then all your apps automatically work. Apple knows what apps you get. So you are still paying for cable. Yes. And you could switch... Over to your your cable box if you wanted to, but theoretically you pay for cable and then you don't use your cable box. You don't pay the rental fee. Ooh, you pay for cable but don't pay for the cable box at all, and just have Apple TV. Crazy, but yeah, sure, why not? Anyway, but this that's a, that's a version of this. You sign into your cable credentials. Maybe you pay for a skinnier bundle if you were channel yeah, or sure. some other thing. You don't rent a cable box. You get this Apple TV. Right. You sign into it. Apple talks to your cable provider, knows what you're authenticated for, pulls down those apps automatically, right. populates a guide with, here's what's streaming live right now, and here's some stuff we, you might like. I wonder, and if you want to like dig into the HBO catalog, you like press HBO Go, and you get the HBO Go app. Th- what would be interesting, I wonder if cable providers would like this because if, if they really liked it and like got buddy-buddy with Apple, which is hard to imagine right now, like, like you search for something that you do want to see, like somebody told you about this hot new show on CBS called Zoo, and it's like, oh, it turns out you don't have access. To- CBS is a bad example because everybody has, but you don't have access to CBS for some reason, and and then they upsell you right then. Like for me, to be honest, like and I know Apple wanted to do this with phones. Apple would love to just sell you a phone and like you just turn it on. And it's like, hey, which carrier do you want? Well, that, I mean, that's essentially what they do with the iPad now. Yeah. And so if you could buy an Apple TV, like in someone like me, it's like I've never had cable. Yeah. And it's like, okay, here's your service. cable this options. This is the great dream of service. So this then then Comcast is finally going to get Paul Miller dollars. They never got Paul Miller so dollars. So the, the, the fear for a cable company. No, but Comcast <clears throat> is regionally limited. From providing that service to you because you True. live in New York City and Time Warner is your provider. Yeah. So but- you would have to buy Time Warner Internet mm-hmm. and then t- somewhere Comcast would have to get a deal that allowed them to sell channels to you over the internet in a region that they don't what currently if, operate. What if what if you could I have Time Warner Internet? Oh my God. What if I could sign up and and have prorated one day of Time Warner Internet to watch a Time Warner show I want to watch right then? <laughs> and then it just disappears. I mean, that's just ephemeral. That's, that's just Warner. buying. Them what on what I'm saying is, episode though, right? it's like just baby it's steps. Because once you get all the way to what you're talking about, Apple might as well just sell you the service, right? Right? They might just like bill your iTunes and whoever gets some money in the end. But they can't get that deal, right? Right? They don't have that deal, so they're they're building all these half measures 
along the way. And it's just fascinating to me because it's it's still not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it's a really good idea. It will make using Apple TV much nicer. Mm-hmm. But they rolled out the Apple TV and said the future of TV is apps and then they're rolling out a guide that abstracts all of the apps away. <laughs> And gives but you the guy. to their credit, the apps got the content onto the thing, and now they need a way for you to find the content. Right. I feel like we're, I feel like this is progress. Okay. Let me let me well, say the second TV thing because this sure. is this is uh, and Peter's very well sourced. I'm sure this is correct, but it's Peter's scoop. Mm-hmm. This is all connected to the fact that Apple has been r- rumored for years for wanting to build a TV, and they killed that project. Mm-hmm. And Steve Poor Jobs, G. Steve Jobs told Walt Mossberg what TV to buy in 2006. Walt bought that TV. That TV just died. It was a Pioneer Elite Plasma that mm-hmm. just made kissy fingers. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Goodbye. It's a lot of sounds yeah. on the Vergecast today. It's all like that for loco. Dude, living that loco life. <laughs> anyway, so Walt's TV died. He bought a new LG OLED TV. He reviewed it. We talked about it for an hour on Control Alt yesterday. You should listen to that. Here's a thing that happened for real in our lives with the Verge yesterday. Walt likes the motion smoothing on his TV. He wrote about it. He was like, it's a buried, confusing setting. Mm-hmm. He and I disagreed about it. This edit went back and forth forever because I was like, Just turn it off. He's like, no, I like it. He's like, I, I was like, you can't, on the, you can't say you like motion smoothing <laughs> in America in 2016. <laughs> it's like not politically America, correct. America's not ready for yeah. this. <laughs> um, anyway, he likes to put it in and we talked about it. We, and we, we got to a great place in the edit where I was like, you wouldn't even know how to turn it off. Like, it's so confusing. And he was like, yes, that's exactly right. So we put it in there. We tweeted out the column. Ryan Johnson, the director, writer-director of the next Star Wars movie, like tweeted at Walt, turn off your motion smooth. <laughs> <laughs> he tweeted disappointment at Walt. Yeah, he tweeted sadness. Uh, <laughs> the, one of the tweets was, Samsung, Achilles, Mossberg, every great hero has a tragic flaw. <laughs> Uh, which most of think Walt Walt has been like chastised by the internet today. I feel Walt's like a genius. Like yeah. I love working with him. It's the, our podcast is great. Editing his column is wonderful. Guns? No, he turned off. Like the, literally, so many people tweeted him to turn off. He turned it off. He tweeted today. I, I understand now, video purists. I've turned it off. But that gets to the point. Like TVs are so hard to use, which is what mm-hmm. co- Walt's column was about. Mm-hmm. And we're adding now this other entire layer with this Apple potential guide that still doesn't make your TV necessarily like look or perform better. It's just a way to get it content better. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I'm going to sound like Gene Munster here. At some point, Apple like does all these half steps and they have the service and they have the deals and da da da. Isn't it then time for them to just like suck it up and build the TV that like doesn't call it true motion and do motion smoothing. By the way, you should turn motion smoothing. If you're listening to this and you're at home and there's motion smoothing on your TV, I want you to shut it off and go turn that shit off. Like, shut off the podcast, and you're not allowed to listen to it again until you've turned motion smoothing <laughs> off on your TV. I mean, I feel like if they did, they would just, like, license, like, a good panel, like the LG OLED one. I mean, that's, right? that's like, I mean, like, when you think about an iPhone, the parts, for the most part, are licensed. The, the, the screen, it, Apple does not produce a screen. It, it buys them. So, yeah, I mean, that would be it's the approach. It's always feel, felt like a weird fit for them, but I'm sure, I'm sure they could, like, convince you that this is great for some reason. I mean, but the thing is, the, what I truly want... I can't believe we're talking about an Apple making a TV. I want a dumb, I want a dumb fall screen. 2016, I want, but... <laughs> I want somebody to dare to make a completely dumb screen. That's what Vizio did. Vizio made that TV. Dieter the Vizio, the Vizio P-Series that came out in 2016, and uh, soon to be the M-Series, too, I think. They do not have an OS. It's all controlled. This is great. I'm sorry that by I didn't a tablet. Know this. I wrote a feature about it. Yeah, he wrote a feature. Chris Welch wrote a great review of it. It's all on theverge.com, media company. 
on the current internet, also in AMP mm. and Facebook Instant. Yeah, load this up in Facebook and circles. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Maybe search for it in that open web of yours. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like the worst person. No, but Paul, I mean, like, that's what that's what a lot of, I think, you know, enthusiasts have been asking for. Right. And so, like, you know, I don't care about the stupid smart TV interface and stuff like that. But when you think about, like, the average person, they turn the TV on. They, they need to go somewhere. It needs to take them somewhere, whether that's mm-hmm. to take them to cable input one for their cable box and they understand that concept or it's to go to the Netflix app. Like I have a Vizio. I use the Netflix app on my Vizio because it's the only real easy way I can watch 4K content from Netflix is by the right. baked in Which is one of the reasons I'm app. excited about the Xbox One S. We didn't talk much about that, but... Yeah. 4K. I mean, there's other ways to get 4K. I could well, buy no, a Fire TV right. that has 4K. You can I could buy, buy the Roku. 1080p TV. It's <laughs> just like you don't want to use, have to use the TV operating system. No. Nobody but I understand that. that some people do. I mean, I think I think that's probably for the average person. It's the most straightforward. But as Walt's column points out, it is still a dumpster fire. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, it's time you to know, talk about 10 more things. No, we're done. You know what's another weird thing? I was like trying to find like jailbreaks for TV operating systems. Like most of them run on like Linux or FreeBSD or something. There's very few TV because there's so many different models. I think it's hard mm-hmm. to like pick one to be the hacker's TV. There's no like WRT they all, and they all 100. run proprietary operating systems, right? Right? No, that's typically based on Linux. Do you say there's no hacker's TV? Like, what is the hacker's TV that like it's like I want something that is like the the what's the the Linksys WRT100? Uh, WRT 54G, I believe, is what you're thinking. I know what you're talking about. You know why would you want to do that? You can just plug a PC into right. a TV. Yeah, but they have a computer in them. You, you can just glue a Mac Mini to the back. There's of the a computer TV. in the TV. Why can't I do things with the computer in the TV? Because those computers. Think, are, think about it. Like when you turn on the TV, you don't know what's going to happen, right? I mean, there's a computer right? in a car. But if, but if I mean, you, this is the same argument, right? You could change what's on that computer and what it does when you. Boot the the computer. Things happen. Like you, if you can break it. I was looking at this for like an art project that I wanted to do. It's like you want it to be built. You know, one has to like bolt on a Raspberry Pi to a perfectly good TV when there's a whole computer inside of every TV. Basically, do you know you can follow The Verge on Twitter and Snapchat? I wasn't Instagram aware at Verge. No, Paul, you're exactly right. Yeah. But here's the thing: nobody, the effort it would take to hack the computer in a TV. Like the, it's too high when you could just take the HDMI cable and plug it back. No, in. there's that, but like not everybody has the same TV. Like Samsung makes 90 models. Yeah, and I think that's why there isn't the hackers TV. Like somebody has probably hacked a TV but tweet and they're like, me and they, they, went on, they went on Hacker Siever. News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tweet DC Seaford if you hacked your uh, Samsung Tizen TV. Rip um, my mentions. No, I bet somebody like hacked their TV and like then went on like Hacker News or Slashdot or something. It was like, I hacked my TV. And everyone's like, what model? And like they typed in like a 30 character Samsung model. And right. I was like, I don't have that TV. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that conversation. Anyway, uh, that's it. We're out of time. Sadly, oh, good one. Uh, rocking, rolling. Sounds, Sounds. for loco. Sparks with two X's. We're at Virgin Twitter, Virgin Snapchat, Virgin Instagram. Hit us up on iTunes. Press five stars. If you think about any fewer number of stars, shut your mouth. Uh, What's Tech with Chris Plant is on Tuesdays. Control Alt Delete hits on Thursdays with Walt and myself. VirgSP with Emily and Liz is on Fridays. There's a bunch of other podcasts on Recode Side. Lauren Good has Too Embarrassed to Ask. Paul's going to say something. I have a special announcement. Andrew, can I say this? We're going to do the Describe Pictures podcast as a special edition. Yeah episode thousand words with paul miller yeah and dami dami's gonna help i'm there for it uh well look out for that yeah that was virtual we'll be back next week
See ya. Rock and roll, Paul. Paul. Words. Paul.